We live in a time where the church is dominated by false teaching, the blending of truth and error. But now, there's finally someone who's taking a stand. This is the Gatekeepers Radio Show, hosted by Jeff the GK. Gatekeeper Radio. My name is Jeff and I'll be your host for the next half hour. Uh, This is a half hour weekly radio show and we're going to be dealing with some pretty serious gospel oriented topics. Last week was the first episode of this show and you kind of got the chance to get to know me a little bit. I shared with you my background. I shared with you some of my experiences, my testimony. Uh, how I came to know Christ and have a relationship with Him. Uh, you've also kind of got to know a little bit about what drives me and why I care so much about getting theology correct, about understanding what the Bible actually says, and making sure that we get the gospel correct. Now remember, the gospel is the key to our faith. If we get it wrong, people will go to hell. That sounds harsh, but it's true. We have to get this right. We are dealing with life and death. We are dealing with eternal souls. We are dealing with the destination of those souls. And once you get to either heaven and hell, there's no changing. There's no switching. There's no going back and forth. Despite what Rob Bell says in his book, Love Wins, once you die, there's no changing. There's no repentance. You are either extended grace with eternity in heaven, or you get what what we all deserve which is eternal punishment in hell. Again, we are dealing with life and death. So it's important that we get the gospel correct. Now today we're going to be dealing with interfaith dialogue. However, one of the things that I want to do is I really want to set up the I really want to set up the understanding of what is interfaith dialogue. What does the Bible say about it? And I'm not really going to deal quite as much with James White this week. We may in the future. But I want to kind of lay down the groundwork. I kind of want to take the time to help you understand what is biblical. Now, Brandon has done, on his show, he has done an amazing job explaining to you the implications of James White's interfaith dialogue with Yasser Qadi. Both from a biblical perspective as well as from a social, a cultural, and a political perspective. For me, my focus is on the theological and biblical side of things. 
And so I want to look at what does the Bible say about interfaith dialogue. I want us to understand what is laid out in God's word. Now, I, I feel like there is a lot of misunderstanding at what interfaith dialogue is and what it is not. So that's what we're going to be dealing with today primarily. We're going to be dealing with what is IFD, what is not IFD, whether it is wrong or not, or has biblical precedence. And then at the end of this, at the end of this show, we're going to deal with why this has become such a big issue within the conservative evangelical church. So let's dive in. We've got about 20 minutes. I'm going to cover a lot of ground. But hey, it'll be fun. So let's deal with this. So what is interfaith dialogue? I'm going to be referring to it quite often as IFD. So when you hear IFD, just know that means interfaith dialogue. What I want us to deal with first is, is what it is not. There's been the claim that any interaction between a Christian and a non-Christian is considered an interfaith dialogue. So one of the defenses of James White's interfaith dialogue with the Muslim imam, Yasser Qadi, has been, well, every single time you share your faith with a non-Christian, that's an interfaith dialogue. Uh, no. Personal evangelism is not an interfaith dialogue. The other defense is every single debate that James White has had with a Muslim is an interfaith dialogue. Why don't you have a problem with that? Well, because there's a difference between a debate and a dialogue. Every single time you proclaim the gospel, they'll say, it's an interfaith dialogue, whether it's from a stage or it's personal evangelism. Again, there is a difference. So let me define what is an interfaith dialogue. The historical terminology for interfaith dialogue, or IFD, is when two religious leaders come together in a public setting to compare and contrast the two religions in order to find some sort of of common ground. Now, I am not saying what James White did with Yasser Qadi was Chrislam. I am not saying that he believes that Allah is the same as our God and that we worship the same God. I am not saying that. I want to make that distinction very, very clear. Because that is the claim that is, made, that is being made by James White and many of his followers. I am not saying that he wants to bring us together as one religion. Okay? I want you to understand this. I do not believe that that is his goal. But interfaith dialogue is when two religious leaders come together to find some sort of common ground and to open up the dialogue moving forward. That's what's happened 
isn't it? The other side is that the goal is to build bridges between the religions. And the theory is that if you build enough bridges, some of them will cross over and become Christians. Now, is that biblical? Is that the way that it really works? I'm not quite so sure. But we're going to kind of dive into that. But what happened with this interfaith dialogue between this Christian leader and the Muslim imam is that the stated goal was to not only discuss the disagreements, but the similarities of Christianity and Islam. Now in the Judge Not Conference, J.D. Hall made a very good point. Christianity, Christianity has nothing in common with a false religion. So how can we compare similarities with a religion that we share nothing in common with? Think about that for a second. If you take things out of context, you can find similarities. You can find surface level similarities. But when you actually understand what it is that they believe, not just Islam, but every single false religion, we have no similarities. Okay? I want to make that very, very clear. We only have disagreements. I believe that is very biblical. And I commend J.D. Hall for making that point. Now, back to this IFD. Forget that Yasser Qadi has a colored background. Let's just hypothetically say it's just a Christian pastor and a Muslim leader of some, of some sort. No bad connections, no background, no anything. He's just exactly the same as James White except on the Muslim side. I still have a problem with it. If it's a Mormon, I still have a problem with it. If it's a Buddhist, I still have a problem with it. If it's someone from the Jewish faith, I still have a problem with it. If it's an atheist, I still have a problem with it. We should not be giving a platform to false teachers. So let's dive into whether the Bible says that interfaith dialogues are wrong. I will give you a resounding yes. A, there is absolutely no biblical precedence for it. You can look at the Old Testament. Look at how the prophets dealt with the false prophets of other religions. They killed them. I'm not saying we kill them. That's Old Testament. Totally different situation. We can get into the expository side of things. But they took it very seriously. False teachers 
If you if you came out as a false prophet in the Old Testament, I believe you were stoned. You weren't asked to come up onto stage in front of the nation of Israel, explain your point, and the both sides can kind of go back and forth and say, hey, well, you know what? I disagree with that, but this is what we believe. Now, what, what do you think about that? I don't see any I don't see any evidence of that in the Old Testament, for sure. Now let's move on to the New Testament. There has been the claim made on Twitter that Jesus himself participated in interfaith dialogues. Jesus himself. Now, the question is, did he participate in the same kind of interfaith dialogue as James White? That is a different question. But what the James White defenders are trying to do is change the definition to give it a broader terminology and a broader definition so that way they can justify their position. Let's take a look at some of the examples that have been given on Jesus participating in interfaith dialogues. One example, and I wrote about this on my website, gatekeepersonline.com, you can check it out there. But one example that was given was Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. Well, she was obviously not a believer. So Jesus speaking to her, obviously, clearly, was an interfaith dialogue. Wasn't it? Uh, have you read that passage? Last I checked... Jesus exposed her for having multiple husbands and going, hopping around from husband to husband. And the man that she was with at that time wasn't even her husband. Last I checked, Jesus explained his position. And he answered her questions. I don't remember him asking her opinion on a particular theological perspective. Did you? I don't think so. And not only that, that conversation was not done in public. That was a one-on-one -on -one private conversation. And then she, when she realized who she was talking to, when she realized she was dealing with the Messiah, with God Almighty, she ran back into the city, brought everybody back, and what happened? Jesus preached to them. That was not an interfaith dialogue. The other example was Jesus' conversations with the Pharisees. Now, I this should be obvious. We all know how the interactions went with Jesus and the Pharisees. They followed him around trying to catch him in gotcha questions, and he responded always proving that he is God Almighty, that he is the Messiah. He called them whitewashed tombs. I don't remember James White calling Yasser Qadi a whitewashed tomb. Do you? Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees was not an interfaith dialogue. 
That was Jesus putting them in their place. Huge, huge difference. The other example were the apostles. Did Paul participate in interfaith dialogues when he was reasoning with people? Uh, no, he was trying to convince them to become a Christian, not trying to find common ground. He was not trying to understand their theology. He was trying to explain our theology. He was trying to deal with explaining that to the Jews that the Messiah had come and who he was and what he had done for them and that they needed to repent and put their faith in him. That was not an interfaith dialogue. So let me be clear. In the Old Testament, no interfaith dialogue. In the New Testament, no interfaith dialogue. So that whole argument gets thrown out the window. Now the other issue is dealing with entering into a spiritual enterprise with a false teacher. Yasser Qadi is a false teacher. And in the Bible, it's not even only talking about false teachers. It's talking about non-Christians. If you look at 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Did you catch that? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And then in verse 17, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Is that finding common ground? Is that coming together to join forces against the secularism that is in our culture? Uh, no. I don't see that in this passage, do you? John MacArthur, in one of his sermons talking about this passage, he clearly states that being unequally yoked is entering into any spiritual enterprise with a non-Christian. He goes so far as to say that could even be a business relationship. I would argue that James White's relationship with Yasser Qadi and him making Yasser Qadi his mentor in Islam, wanting to make videos with him, wanting to write a book with him to educate Christians about Islam, that is a spiritual enterprise. That is unbiblical. This interfaith dialogue is unbiblical. It is entering into a spiritual enterprise with a non-Christian in order to find common ground.
Now, let's jump over to 2 John. Now, this is dealing with actually false teachers. This isn't just dealing with any non-Christian. This is dealing with how do we deal with a false teacher. Now, before we jump into this passage, I want to make this clear. Yasser Qadi is a false teacher. He brings another Christ. He teaches that Jesus is not God. Now, there's a difference between a false teacher and just a follower of a religion. A false teacher is actually leading people away from Christ. A follower of another religion is simply deceived. So I want to make that distinction. Now, let's look here at 2 John. Verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching... Let me read that again. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, I believe that James White, way more than greeted Yasser Qadi, correct? Anyone who enters into an interfaith dialogue with a false teacher on stage does more than just greet him. They are giving him credibility with the church. That is a huge problem. We are not to be under the teaching of a false teacher. We are not supposed to be bringing false teaching into the church. We are supposed to be rejecting false teachers, separating ourselves, and not greeting them, lest we take part in their evil works. I think I've made my case pretty clear. I don't care what the other side says about trying to explain away these passages. These passages apply to this situation. God's word applies. And I want you to understand this. And I hope that I hope that looking at these passages has helped you. Now quickly, in the final few minutes of this show, I just want to quickly go over why this has become such a huge issue and why this has become a civil war within the church. Because this may help you understand why there is so much pushback. Number one. Many church leaders live in their own little bubble, completely unaware of what is going on in the world. They don't understand what the false teachers are actually saying. They don't understand the threats to the church. Also, the tone police has infiltrated the church and has completely shot down anybody that says something definitively against another Christian leader. Because, quote-unquote, we aren't supposed to criticize, right? We're not supposed to judge. Judge not, lest you be judged, right? That is the problem with the church. 
we become a bunch of wimps who can't wrestle with serious theological issues that have serious implications for all eternity. This is important. And then the final reason why I think that this has gone on as long as it has and why there's so many die-hard defenders of this, it's not even dealing with the issue. It's a, it's a celebrity mentality within the church. And I'm going to deal with this in a future show. We are not supposed to be followers of men. Paul made that very clear in the New Testament. He, he made a big deal about the church saying, well, I follow Peter, well, I follow Paul. They're both preaching the same message. But here's the problem. If you follow a man, he may lead you astray because everyone sins. Everyone can be blind to their own sin. And I believe that that is what's happening right now. People are defending James White because they like James White. People are defending Phil Johnson because they like Phil Johnson. People are attacking Brandon Howes because those two guys don't like him. At least it sure seems that way. And so their followers are trying to take down Brandon Howes, myself, and anyone else criticizing James White. Why? More than likely, it's because they're defending their celebrity pastor. This is so unbiblical. We should be able to deal with the issues without dealing with personality. We should be able to be dealing with these issues and wrestling with these theological, serious, serious issues without making personal attacks. And I hope that we can do that. I hope that we can really dive into God's word and understand what it says. God's word should be our authority, not a man. I'm going to leave you with that. Follow me on Twitter, at JeffTheGK. I'd love to talk to you. And I'll see you next week. Radio Show, hosted by Jeff the GK. For more information, please visit gatekeepersonline.com and follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff the GK.